Hi, I'm Adam Phillips, and I love comics. Sure, I love superhero comics, but I also love comics that are funny, or romantic, or educational, or even kind of filthy. Some have been around for decades, but I have a special place in my heart for the ones that came and went in the blink of an eye. We call them one-shots, and some of them you may have heard of, while others might make you ask, why? This is One-Shot Wonders. In my introduction to this podcast, I mentioned that I like some comics that are kind of filthy. Today we're going to talk about one of them. It's a little-known one-shot by the guy who's probably more synonymous with underground comics than anyone else, Robert Crumb. And it's only kind of, kind of filthy. But first, let's take a quick look at this tradition of comics. Underground comics grew up in the late 1960s out of cartoonists' desires to express their unfiltered ideas to a new, young audience who had grown up in the 1950s when there was a wide variety of comics genres available. As young adults, they were open to comics that depicted sex, drugs, politics, and violence. Of course, this kind of subject matter necessitated a different distribution method than the typical newsstand magazine rack of the time. In their heyday, from the late 1960s through the end of the 1970s, underground comics were mostly found in head shops near the blacklight posters and bombs. Robert Crumb wasn't the first underground cartoonist. That honor goes to Frank Stack, a.k.a. Fulbert Sturgeon, or maybe Gilbert Shelton or Von Baudet. But Crumb lived in San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury neighborhood during the Summer of Love, and in 1968, he sold the first issues of Zap Comics out of a baby carriage on the street. Not for the last time, what Crumb dreamed up took on a life of its own, and Zap has run 17 issues to date. After Crumb produced two solo issues of Zap, the roster of artists expanded to include Victor Moscoso, Spain Rodriguez, Rick Griffin, S. Clay Wilson, Gilbert Shelton, and many others. Zap was hardly Crumb's first effort in comics. In fact, he grew up drawing comics, mostly with his older brother, Charles. In 1958, they created the mad imitation fanzine, Foo. And while Crumb worked as a greeting card illustrator in the early 1960s, he drew an entire original graphic novel called The Big Yum Yum Book as a gift to his wife. He also drew the adventures of his character Fritz the Cat, some of which appeared in men's magazines. Those eventually led to an animated movie that Crumb disliked so much that he killed off the character once and for all in 1969. You could point to quite a few comics by Robert Crumb and call them one-shots, and we'll come back to at least one more of them in a future episode. But today I want to talk about a little comic called R. Crumb's Comics and Stories. It really is little. My copy measures 8 and 3 eighths inches tall by 5 and a quarter inches wide. The whole thing only runs 12 pages, and that includes the covers. Like most underground comics, the interiors are black and white. The story was drawn in April 1964, but it wasn't published till 1969 by Ripoff Press. For those who have read the early stories of Fritz the Cat that ran Infantagraphics' excellent Complete Crumb Comics series, this is at the midpoint of Fritz's evolution. He's graduated from House Cat to something more anthropomorphic, but he hasn't yet become a beatnik, let alone a super spy. 
To give you an idea of how big a deal Crumb was in 1969 and how little consideration underground cartoonists often gave to commerciality, Fritz doesn't even appear on this comic's cover. The cover features a young, red-headed woman sitting on a stool, barefoot, toes curled under her feet, eyes looking down at a half-dozen frog-like creatures who are climbing up into her skirt. The frogs look like the fantasy characters from the Big Yum Yum book. The young woman could be anyone Crumb might have drawn at the time. The story is drawn in Crumb's early 1960s style, with a rapidograph pen and lots of quickly slashed lines to indicate shadows. The story begins as a train rounds a bend in the countryside, and Fritz the Cat peers out of a car, then jumps out, suitcase in hand. He picks himself up, dusts off his fedora, and wanders down the road to a little house with a white picket fence. There his mother runs outside to greet him, sobbing at the sight of her long-lost son. His younger sister comes out to carry his bag. While his mother asks him about his job and why he didn't tell her he was coming to visit, Fritz keeps commenting on how big his sister's grown, and asks whether she has any boyfriends. Fritz also mentions that he plays saxophone in a band now. After dinner, their mother tells Fritz and his sister that they can go on and run off while she cleans up. As they walk outside, Fritz talks about life in the big city, and then they decide to take a swim down by the river. They splash around for a while as evening falls and have some trouble finding their clothes in the darkness, but they do find each other. And as the camera pulls away, well, it looks like they're going to have sex. If you know Crumb's work well, you can tell that this was something he drew for himself and not specifically for publication. It's rough around the edges. The lettering is even hard to read in some places. It looks a lot like Crumb's reportage for Help magazine, which was some of his earliest published work. I remember showing this comic to my girlfriend in high school. She wasn't much of a comics fan, but she would occasionally pick up a comic that looked interesting to her. After she finished reading this one, I asked what she thought about the end, which certainly seemed to imply incest. Her response? So what? They're cats. I first ran into Crumb's work when I received some back issues that I had ordered from a dealer in California, and in the package was a bonus, a copy of Best Buy Comics No. 1, written and drawn almost entirely by Crumb, with a little help from Aileen Kaminsky. It was unlike anything I'd ever read before, and even though it was supposedly an all-ages comic with no sex or swearing, the stories were absolutely meant for adults. On the cover of the debut issue of Dennis Eichhorn's series Real Stuff, artist Peter Bagg depicts Eichhorn losing his mind over the original Mad Number no. 1 comic, with a huge thought balloon that reads, This is wrong! That's how I felt when I read Best Buy comics. The characters were sweaty and disheveled. They talked about the environment and politics and death. There were no heroes or villains. No one hit anyone else. Somehow, the artist himself was the star of most of the stories, and he seemed mostly preoccupied by sex. An atmosphere of foreboding permeated the entire issue. It was disorienting, but at the same time, it was thrilling. But Best Buy Comics was published in 1979, some 15 years after R. Crumb's Comics and Stories was drawn. Back in 1964, Crumb's story reflected the wide-eyed attitude of a cartoonist who was just starting to figure out what he wanted to say, and that he just might get away with saying it. Although it's only briefly mentioned, Fritz is an itinerant musician, 
this might be the first of many musical protagonists in Crumb's future comics. Fritz also indulges in Crumb's soon-to-be-front-and-center concern, sex. It's tame by comparison with future Crumb escapades, of course, as it happens mostly off-camera, under cover of darkness. Before I wrap this up, I want to say that I do know how problematic Crumb's drawing and attitudes can be. I absolutely recognize them, and my thought is that he's an equal opportunity offender who seems to hate just about everyone to some degree, including himself. I can't exactly defend it, but I still find the work compelling. Thanks for listening to One Shot Wonders. I'll be back next week with another One Shot comic. Meanwhile, hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, tell your friends, and go buy some comics.